Uh, and we have a great treat today in one of my good friends and uh, one of our elders. That's you, Tommy. Yeah. Uh, he's like, who, where, me? Uh, uh, is going to be sharing with us. And I'm going to say a, a quick prayer for Tommy as he preaches for us today. Father, I thank you for many years of friendship that goes back to uh, uh, a bunk on a cabin at Camp Chioka. And um, as he shared the gospel with me, among with many others that, that week, um, that night, and, and opened up the word of life to me and, and shared it in such a way that just really touched my heart. Uh, thank you from that moment today to many years of serving together, uh, friendship, um, and, and just being in each other's homes and each other's lives. Thank you for him and for Beverly. Bless him today as he shares through Jesus. Amen. Uh, morning. Good morning, church. Um, I want to take just a second before I get into anything else just to say how much I love this church. And uh, Beverly and I, we, we pulled into West Monroe in 1983 uh, for me to go to the School of Biblical Studies that we used to have here. Beverly was six months pregnant with twins at the time. Two weeks later, she gave birth. To those twins, that's a whole other story. Some and some of the folks that are sitting here today were there for all of that. But I, I know the a lot of the faces have changed over the years. But I tell you what has not, and that is the, the way we refer to it. The, our DNA has not changed. This is the same church it has been for all those forty whatever years. And I, I think Paul expressed it so well. In the communion service, that's what we're about. And I'm just, I'm so thankful to be a part of this church, this body of believers. Thank you and love you. Love you a bunch. Uh, just, just wanted to say that. All right, back to school Sunday. And now, there is a lot of irony in this, and it is kind of funny because Dennis uh, referred to it a while ago. It's, there's a lot of irony, I think, that I'm preaching on back to school Sunday. Because this is the first fall... For 31 years that I'm not going back to school. I've, uh, I've taught 11th and 12th grade Bible at Washtenaw Christian for the past 31 years. And I decided to give, a, give retirement a shot at the end of the spring. And so, uh, yeah, how, how ironic is that? I'm not going back to school, yet I'm preaching on back to school Sunday. So it's kind of weird, but I'm, I'm glad and I'm, I'm thankful for that. And so I'm thinking, what, what do we talk about? And, I, and I've, I thought about this. Next week, we're starting a new series on the kingdom. Okay? Now then, I recognize that the kingdom of God is, is broader. It's broader than the, just the church itself. Okay? But for our purposes, that's where we're living right now. And that's kind of what the kingdom is right now. It's the church. And so I'm going to use it that way. That's the way I'm most comfortable with Anyway, and so I'm going to say this. What does the kingdom of God look like in school? Now, we could, I thought about asking, okay, everybody who's ever been to a school of any kind, stand up. I'm not going to do that. It was going to be kind of tongue-in-cheek because everybody's been to school of some kind. 
Now, if you're not in school right now, okay, don't think this is not for you. Hang on there. Just, just hang on. We'll get there for that as well. All right, so... What does the kingdom of God look like in school? Here's, here's what I'd like to do. I've got a few challenges. Just a few. Won't take long, I promise. But a few challenges for those who are dealing with school and the issues that come along, come along with that. What does a disciple of Jesus look like in school? All right, first challenge is this. Here's what I'm going to call you to. Maintain your true identity. Hold on to it. Be your true identity. Let me explain what I mean by that. For the last probably 12 years in senior Bible out at OCS, I would have the seniors get out a piece of paper and I'd just say, okay, tell tell what you do. I want you to tell me who you are. Define yourself to me. And they'd take off writing for a while. Then I'd gather up the papers. And the vast majority of responses I would get would be things like, uh, uh, well, I'm a, I'm a football player, or, or I hunt, or uh, I'm a cheerleader, or I'm an artist, or I'm a dancer, or I'm, I'm this, I do this, I do that. And, here's, and, and it was a, a longer journey than this, but what we had to learn, what, what I had to teach them was this. Guys, look, your identity, who you are, that is not determined by what you do. Those are just things you do. It's two completely different things. Because you see, your identity, now this is, I'm talking to disciples in school, right? Your identity is so far more than that. And it it boils down to, you're, you're a child, an adopted child of God. Okay, this is who you are. And there's, there's many other things that come with that. But that's different from what you do. And let me tell you why that's, why that's dangerous. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail here. But some of you know my story. A lot of you don't. But I'm just, just a quick blurb. By the time I was like 11 years old, I identified my identity to me, who I was. If I were to tell you who I was, I was a baseball player. By about 11. And it stayed that way through, 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 till I was 22 years old. And it was supposed to go beyond that. And then all the walls came crashing in. And everything changed. And all of a sudden, when, when baseball was gone for me, I disappeared from the planet. I lost my identity, who I was. Why? Because I had identified as something that I do. Something that I did. That is, a, that is a very precarious place to find yourself. Beside the fact that who you are is so far greater. Child of the King. Made in the image of God. And dwelt by the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says you're the light of the world. You're a world changer. That's so much bigger. So, maintain your true identity. It doesn't matter what you do. There's a lot of good things you can do. And do them well. Do them to the best of your ability. That's what a disciple of Jesus would do. He would take those gifts and talents that God's given you and, and use them as unto the Lord. Be the best you can possibly be. Second challenge. 
I challenge you with. As a disciple in school, be a model student, guys. I mean, doesn't that just make sense? Be a mo- me. Now look, I know, hard to believe. I, I was a cut up in school. Okay. I, I was, I was. Now, something happened along the way, and I, I think God used it to teach me. It was, I was just a freshman in high school at the time, and there was this teacher, man, I'm not even going to use her name. She may still be out there, <laughs> you know, probably not, but uh, man, I gave her fits. I, I own it. I repent. I do. Well, you know, maybe not for all of it. No, I did. I just gave her fits. Whoa, man. And I, and, I, and I was, I actually kind of prided myself in that. And I'll never forget the last, it was right toward the end of the year, my freshman year. And uh, class is just about over. I've got my binder and my books. I've got a stack of books on my desk. Anxious for the bell to ring. It was the last class period of the day. I'm headed out for baseball practice. And, uh, and so I've got my book. The bell rings. I stand up. Everybody's leaving out. I sat on the far side here. Everybody's leaving out the door. And I, and I see her. And she's got this wicked look in her eye. And it's like she starts this, not really a crab walk. But it was, and she's coming towards me. And I'm thinking, what in the world? And she comes up to me and she grabs my book, my stack of books. I'm going, what are we doing? And so we're wrestling with my books. So finally, she just takes them and she just scatters them all across the room. <laughs> I looked up and she looked at me and she goes, so what do you think about that? And she turned around and left the room. I'll tell you what I thought. I thought she was a crazy lady. Over the years... I know what happened to her. She, she had had enough. She had. She was done. And you know what? Raise your hand if you're a teacher, or have been. Now you know that feeling. Fortunately, God taught me something in that experience, even back then. Because what I realized, you know what? I was still kind of a cut up in school after that, but I knew when to stop. Kids, got to know when to stop. And you, you can tell. You can tell. Learn your limitations. And when it's wise for you to stop. I did that. And the rest of my high school career, I still was a cut up. My teachers loved me. But I knew the limits of that kind of stuff. You be a model student. You know what that means? That means you show respect to your teachers and to your administrators and you know what? To each other, to your classmates. You be a person of respect. You be honest. No cheating. Not just test. Homework too. You be a person of integrity. You, remember, this is what a disciple of Jesus would look like in school. You be honest. Show integrity. You be attentive. 
Pay attention. Be eager to learn. That's what you're there for. Right? I, I, I honestly believe that's what a disciple of Jesus would look like. Y'all, I didn't, have an, I didn't have anybody challenging me in that way when I was in high school. Eager to learn. You be the kind of student the teacher hates to see leave at the end of the year. Be a model student. Third challenge. Treat your classmates right. That's not grammatically correct, but rightly just sounded really strange. Treat your classmates right. Now, I'm going to say something about the hot topic of bullying. Okay? And I've got some, some different opinions about some things than a lot of people do. But I know this much. If you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, don't you dare mistreat a classmate. I don't care in what form or fashion. Whether that be in person, whether that be online, whether that be social media. What, don't, don't you dare mistreat a classmate. Strong enough? Don't you do it. Don't you call yourself a disciple of Jesus and treat people wrongly. I remember it starting for this. I, I, I think I've told this before too, but a, a girl, in, when I was in the fourth grade, it started everybody making fun of her. And I jumped, on, I jumped right on board. I did the same things, said the same things, laughed like everybody but her. And somewhere during those elementary years, between fourth and sixth grade, it continued. But somewhere I bowed out of that. I just, I just couldn't do that anymore. And I quit that. And so, here's, here's what I want to do. I want to take this a step further when I say, don't you dare do that to other people. Let me tell you something. You try to stop other people from doing it too. Do not, now see, that's what I regret. I didn't do a stinking thing to stop it. Oh, I felt better about myself because I quit. Well, that's just not enough. You do what you can to discourage that type of behavior with anybody. It's ridiculous if, you know, if you're a disciple of Jesus. Now, what if you're the person who's being bullied? What about that? Well, I hate that for you. Okay? And I, I'm, I'm hoping it's not going to come from any of your brothers and sisters. All right? But... A word of encouragement for you comes from two weeks ago, Al's sermon from 2 Corinthians 12. Paul quoted Jesus, what Jesus said to him. You'll recognize this. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Remember this two weeks ago. That is why for Christ's sake, and Paul talking, that is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You are made strong by the grace of the Almighty God. Those insults, 
those persecutions, allow the power and the grace of God to give you the strength to be able to stand up and endure. Because I'm telling you right now, folks, I don't think this stuff is going away. Now, I believe we can make it go away within the church. The kingdom of God, disciples of Jesus, you better believe it. We better stop that. But the world, they're not going to stop that. So let's stand up in the truth of who we are, hold on to the power given us through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and withstand the insults, the persecutions, the difficulties. All right, next challenge. Next challenge I call trade up. Ain't that something? Trade up. Well, do, I, do I need to clarify that just a little bit? Here's the thing. Some of you kids, you're going to think I'm absolutely out of my mind when I say this. Just, just give me a chance. Don't throw anything at me right off the bat. At all. Don't throw anything. Just, just, just give me a chance. Now, this is not great theology. This is simple, practical. Trade your cell phone for your Bible. I'm talking about when you go to school. Trade your cell phone for your Bible. Oh, what if I need to talk to somebody? Talk to God. Better choice anyway. Get you a little New Testament and take your cell phone out of your pocket, slip your Bible in there, take it to school. Now, I know because some are going, you're out of your mind. Let me tell you something cell phones are amazing things, but they create a lot of problems. As well, most schools are against the rules, at least to a certain degree. And and look, even when there's rules, again, you can't control it hardly. It's crazy. But I want you to think about the opportunity this gives you. As oh, that's right, as a disciple of Jesus, let's think about the opportunity it gives you. Instead of reaching for your phone, you pull out your little Bible and and you let God speak, communicate with you. And you know what's going to happen? Woo, this is the best part. Well, no, not better than that. But this is a great part. Somebody's going to walk up to you and go, what are you doing? Hmm? Where, where's your phone? Tell them. Oh, oh, I traded up. Just tell them that. Because they ain't going to get it. Just tell them I traded up. And they say, well, they say, what are you talking about? Oh, I traded my phone in for my Bible. You know what? Amazingly, somebody may, he may make fun of you, laugh at you. That's all right. Remember 2 Corinthians 12? But think about the opportunity it'll give you to say, Yeah, you know, I just figured Jesus Christ is the most important thing in my life, and I figured it'd be better off to carry His Word with me than a, than a cell phone. 
Somebody, oh, my Bible, my Bible's on my cell phone. Oh, can I tell you what? Let's go to your settings and see how much you used your Bible and how much you used everything else. It'll show you. I just think the opportunities that would provide would be absolutely amazing. Straight up. Oh, and look, maybe, maybe you can't handle that five days a week. Just start with one day. You know what? We might have talked to, to CR. We may need a step study on how to get. I think we're addicted to cell phones. Okay, maybe we need a step study on how to deal with that. So just start with one day. I would encourage you to make it the same day every week. Get in the habit. You might find... You want to do it more often. You know, if you're a disciple of Jesus in school, trade up. Oh, it's a huge upgrade. Those are my challenges if you're in school. Now, I told you if you're not in school, there was something for you too. But so, so... Get this. Watch this. Because aren't we actually all kind of in school, in the school of life? Are we not, can we not learn something every day? I guarantee you God will teach us something every day if we'll allow Him to. Are we not learning, are teaching something, as we interact with people in our lives, are, isn't that right? We're, we're, y'all, we're in school too. So you know what I challenge you with? Let's see. Oh, I know. Maintain your true identity. Right? Because as a disciple of Jesus, how would we face life? How would we face this school of life? Okay? So maintain your true identity. Be a model. Maybe not. Okay. Student in life. Be a great citizen. Be a great father or mother. Sibling, child. Treat people right. You know, it's real easy to sum it up, y'all. Let's just be like Jesus. Treat people right. And you know, I'm thinking back to you know this this trading up thing. Some might some might say, well, that's just that's just ridiculous. That's just too radical. Carry my Bible around in my pocket. I want to share something with you. No, that, that's, that's not radical. This, uh, what I'm about to read to you was written by a man from Rwanda. By the way, I'm going to wrap up with this. This was written by a man from Rwanda whose tribe told him. He was a Christian, actually. And his tribe had told him, you either renounce Jesus Christ or you die. Well, he would not renounce him, and they killed him right there on the spot. Going through his things, they found that the night before, here's what he'd written. <clears throat> Hang on to your hat. I am part of the fellowship of the unashamed. 
The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed, my present makes sense, and my future is secure. I am finished and done with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, chintzy given, and dwarfed goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, plaudits, or popularity. I now live by presence, lean by faith, love by patience, lift by prayer, and labor by power. My pace is set. My gate is fast. My goal is heaven. My road is narrow. My way is rough. My companions few. My guide reliable. My mission clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, deterred, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of adversity, negotiate at the table of the enemy, ponder at the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I must go until heaven returns, give until I drop, preach until all know, and work until he comes. And when he comes to get his own, he will have no problem recognizing me. My colors will be clear. Wow. No, folks, that's radical. And I don't know, you know, whether, whether we could ever achieve that the desire for, the commitment for, is another thing. And I'll tell you right now, and that's one of the reasons, and I saved it till the end, that's one of the reasons I love this church so much, because I look and I see people who are disciples of Jesus Christ. And I see the things that go on in your lives on behalf of other people all the time. And it's not for plaudits and all these, you know, all these things that was described it's just because, are you ready? That's who you are. And you encourage me in that. I'm humbled to, to be part of leadership to this amazing group of disciples of Jesus Christ. There's our calling, you see, to strive for. So, whether you're a student in an actual school or a student in the school of life, being a disciple of Jesus looks the same. So let's, let's do that. Let's go be that. Simply sum it up, just be like Jesus. It's not that complicated. Just be like, keep being like Jesus. There you go. And as we see the world changing around us, it will continue to do that in the lives of people. Year after year after year. And the DNA remains the same, and the gospel is taken to the lost. Now, invitation is offered to you. If you've never become a disciple of Jesus, woo! Paul, get up here and preach it again. What are you waiting for? That's your call? Look, guys, we're not to talk people into becoming Christians. It's up to them. It's a voluntary Submission. You don't have to talk somebody into it. They need to realize where they are and what they're not.
and what they need. So that, if that's you, why? I, don't, I can't understand waiting. Look, if you just, where you sit right now, let's all just make a commitment to, to be disciples of Jesus to the world. Just be like Jesus and the world will change. If you need any need at all, come on, come forward while we stand and while we sing.